Travis Hunter doesn't make the top defensive players to watch list. Jarvis Christian adds a wrestling program and Dariana Lewis has entered the transfer portal. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, of course, I'm Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And I am back from vacation. I am so ecstatic to return and give you this podcast. I understand it's late on Friday, more available for the afternoon drive as opposed to the morning drive or midday, but I'm back from vacation and I couldn't wait to come here. So let's enjoy that. And the Draft Network is back as well. We're not the only ones returning. Their Draft Network has returned. And this time they have their six defensive players to watch in HBCU football in 2022. And I take immediate exception to this list because there is no Travis Hunter on this list. I I, I was going to say I am, I was a linebacker back in my day when I played way, way, way back when. And I only say that to say I like defense. I enjoy when people talk about defense. Offense is exciting. I'll even say it. Offense is more exciting. It's easier to look at a wide receiver go for a buck 50 than it is to watch a cornerback hold down a great receiver for 25 yards in a game. It's easier to see, right? It's more tangible. I can see the big plays. I feel it. It's impossible to ignore. So I get it why offense can be more exciting a lot of times. But if you're going to do defense, and I appreciate it when you do. So for everybody who practices talking about offense and defense, I appreciate it when you do talk about defense. But if you're going to do it, let's do it proper. Let's not, let's not, Let's not play it, play it. I don't, well, I almost said something I ain't supposed to say on here, but I ain't trying to basically go halfway with it. All right. So if you're going to talk about defense, let's do it proper, simple and plain. And proper will be having Travis Hunter on this list. Now, when I seen Travis Hunter on the list on, I think that was Monday's episode that we talked about it. So the last episode, actually, when I saw him there, I, I made a declaration that. He needs to be on this defensive list. He needs to be on both. I felt like he wasn't going to be, but he needs to be on both. And the fact that he isn't is honestly a shame. Why is Travis Hunter not on the defensive list of people to be excited about? And if you're in the comment section telling me that Travis Hunter is a freshman and that is the reason that he's not there, please refer back to Monday's episode. There was four freshmen on the offensive side of the ball that was there. They were holding down. That's half of the list was freshmen. So it isn't about them not having to play. It's about the excitement that they have generated. And this is the same company, the Draft Network. It's not about draft eligible because we talked about that disclaimer. It's the Draft Network, but they're just talking about all prospects. So tell me why Travis Hunter is not on this list. I don't have a reason. I want to read what they said because here's the thing. He's going to play some offensive snaps. Travis Hunter is going to play some offensive snaps. We can tell by the spring game he was dynamic. 
we can tell by the spring game that they have a plan for him to be on offense. He's going to play some of the snaps. He might even play a lot of the snaps, but I expect him to play every single defensive snap that he is not tired for. If he's not tired or injured, if he is capable of being on the field and it's a defensive snap, he will be there. So please tell me why. Travis Hunter is listed as a player to watch at his secondary position, but not at the position that's actually in the secondary. That's what he plays. He's a corner. He is a cornerback first and foremost. So if you're going to be excited about him as a wide receiver, let's be excited about him as a cornerback and let's cover the defense proper. Let's read what they had to say about Travis Hunter, because when you actually look at what they said about Travis Hunter in the initial post saying basically why we should be excited for him as an offensive player, you'll realize it's really not that much different as opposed to what he has as a defensive back. And here's what they say about Travis Hunter. And this is the trap. This is the draft network. Remember same people. So, Travis Hunter, wide receiver slash cornerback, Jackson State, one of the most athletically gifted players in the nation, the number one overall recruit in the 2022 prep class, was overwhelmingly dominant in the Tiger spring game. And that's all the makings of a potential top 10 pick in the 2025 draft. Wow. Right. He'll play both sides of the ball for Deion Sanders this year and should post gaudy numbers week in and week out. He has zero limitations in a, in a performance ceiling as lofty as any collegiate football player in the country. Nothing there is wide receivers specific, not a single thing. Everything that you just said right there could be applied to him as a defender, his main position. So let's look at the last sentence again. He has zero limitations and a performance ceiling as lofty as any college football player in the country. He's a corner. He's a corner. What are we talking about? Zero limitations? A performance ceiling as lofty as anybody in the country? And he's not on your list of players that you need to watch out for? Listen, I understand you might not have wanted to put him on both lists, but A, you shorten your, your defensive list from eight for offensive players to six for defensive players. You could have put Travis Hunter and another guy like Joshua Pryor. I understand they, they clearly aren't doing any Division two players. Maybe a Jason Dumas. You could have had people on this list, so you could have brought it up to eight. But you don't want him on both lists. Put him on defense. He is a defender, first and foremost. Let's not let's not use the fact that offense is so exciting to say, hey, well, we're going to put him in the offensive category. No, stop that. Travis Hunter is a cornerback, and we should be excited about him as a defender. I can argue that a shutdown corner is more on the value of or the scale of value is higher than a star wide receiver. I could really make that argument. It's the second, in my opinion, most premier position on the defense. Let's stop doing that. Let's cover these things properly, right? And then you have other people on the list as well. You have BJ uh, Bowler and you have Isaiah Land. And I think that's interesting that they're both on this list because this could be a dark cloud defense part two. We're going to continue that momentum. That fam you had from last year being one of the most, you know, difficult defenses to get, to get scores and, and get yards on in the SWAT. You have Land. At the edge position, you have Bowler at cornerback. So in your two premier positions on the defense, you have two of the players that they're saying are some of the best in all of HBCU football. Yes, that is a great recipe for success. That is a great recipe. I'm not saying nothing else can go wrong, but the, the beginning, the foundation of a stout defense, having a stud cornerback is great. Having a stud edge rusher is great. Having both of them is phenomenal. And they had another guy. Um, I can't remember. He's a transfer in from, I think, a Juco in Oklahoma. 
at the linebacker position that they say is re looking really good. And that's what family people said, not the draft network. So having a player like that on all three levels, that's pretty impressive. And going from the 2021 Buck Buchanan Award winner to the 2020 Buck Buchanan, Buck Buchanan Award winner, Jordan Lewis, he's also on this list, as he should be. Because if you ask Coach G, who I put a lot of respect into his opinion, we come on, we talk about recruiting and everything, or not recruiting, but scouting and everything. He has Jordan Lewis as his top player in all the HBCU football last year. So he puts a lot of stock in what he was able to do in his Buck Buchanan award-winning season and also his freshman year. He's had two really good seasons. He had kind of a down year last year, but there will be a lot of eyes on him because this could end up being a guy who James Houston went in the bottom of the sixth. Jordan Lewis has a resume of continual, I don't want to say continue because there's been some breaks, but he's had multiple years of really popping. If he pops this year, that's three really good years on his resume. If James Houston went at the bottom of the sixth, we're looking at a potential fifth, fourth round pick at least for Jordan Lewis. I think that this could be a really big year for him. They also has uh they also have Isaias uh Guthrie, a safety out of Delaware State, who from a build-wise, they compared him to Marquise Bell. Y'all know I love Bell. From a build-wise, they compare the two players. So with that being said, he also has a couple of really good players on his defense. And here's the thing about playing defense. And the reason playing football, if you have good players around you, you are naturally going to look better. Naturally. So with that happening, if he can go on and show that he's skilled as an individual and is going to be helped by the people who are around him, that stock just going to keep rising and rising and rising and rising, right? And then we got uh, Sundiata Anderson out of Grambling, who had a breakout 2021, and they have two more years of eligibility. One of the things that really stuck out to me for him was he's a he, – Already has an NFL frame, as they said, but then they expect him to even put more weight on. That could lead to him being very versatile, sliding from edge. What are you talking about? Three tech. I don't think he'll slow sliding to be in a nose, but you can have a three tech also playing the edge. I just think it thinks it gives him a little bit of versatility to be able to come in and say, look at everything that I can do. And then lastly, we got uh, Jablonski Green out of South Carolina State, another edge or another defensive lineman who versatility is his thing. But other than just that, he has something I think is special and kind of sets himself apart from the other players. Is he's a technician. He's a technician in a sense of, I know what to do with my hands. And I'm not saying athleticism isn't a, a, a trait that everybody should aspire to, to look for in their, in their players that they want. But knowing what to do is a whole different skill set. And yeah, you can max out athletically and you can teach techniques. So I understand the arguments for each way, right? It's a little bit of a give and take. But if I'm looking for a player who is a collegiate technician, I feel like his floor is significantly higher than somebody who just has athleticism. This isn't a shot at anybody. This is just saying that Green, they say he's really good with his hands, understands leverage and knows how to use his hands. And as a pass rusher, as anybody trying to push the pocket or coming around the edge, yeah, that's a trait that is gonna is going to bode very well for you, not just collegially, but also in the pros because understanding technique and understanding how to set up players that should go a long way as far as your projection in the next level and how you actually turn out, not just projections, but actually how you do and how you can actually turn a corner a little bit easier, a little bit quicker than some of your other collegiate counterparts when they enter the professional level. So those are your six players, and none of those people I named are Travis Hunter, and that should be disappointing. None of those players are defensive uh, Division II players either, and we need to get some Division II love in here. But Travis Hunter not being here and being on the offensive list it's got me scratching my head for sure. Speaking of my head, look at this 
Locked On hat that they sent me, right, man? Can we show love to the home team? But anyway, I appreciate Locked On. I appreciate you. And as we continue going forward, we're going to be talking about Dariana Lewis, who has entered the transfer portal and is scheduled or is looking to leave Alabama A&M ladies, uh, Lady Bulldogs, and their basketball team. We'll see if she actually leaves. And if she does, I'm going to tell you, it's a, it's a huge hole that should be leaving. But before we get into that, I want to tell you about Bet Online because Bet Online is the best place for all of your wager needs. Kevin Durant just said, I want out. A day after Kyrie Irving said, I'm coming back to Brooklyn. Hours after Ben Simmons said that he's ready to go, ready to get on the court, not leave, get, get on the court. Where is Kyrie going to land? Is he going to stay in Brooklyn? Put your money down on that. Where is Kevin Durant going to stay? Is going to be? He already asked out of Brooklyn. Where is he going? And then you're looking at Ben Simmons. Is he going to get traded? Is, is Brooklyn just going to blow up this whole spot and just say, you know what? We're getting rid of everybody. What's going to happen in Brooklyn? Put your money down on that, as well as the NBA futures, the NFL futures. The Stanley Cup just happened, just wrapped up. But you can bet on the college football or college. Why well, keep doing that? College baseball World Series. You can put your money down on any and everything, but there is only one place that you should be putting your money down at, and that is Bet Online because they are the fastest and easiest. What a wage on all of your favorite sports? Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, let's keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day, I appreciate it. And because I was gone, and this is such a late episode, I'm going to give you two words of the day. I'm going to give you Fridays and then also Thursday and try to work both of them into today's episode. But Friday's word of the day is debunk, meaning to prove or show something as false. And then Thursday's word of the day is scintillate. And that means to dazzle or impress with liveliness or wit. So let's see if I can get scintillate. And, and then also debunk into today's episode. But we're going to be talking about Dariana Lewis, who is entering the transfer portal, and it would leave a gaping hole for the Lady Bulldogs to fill on the basketball side of things. And I feel like I have to preface this every time I talk about the transfer portal now. Understandably so, but entering the transfer portal does not mean that you're gone. It does not mean that you are for sure out of it. So, for example, she can always turn around and say, I want to come back to Alabama A&M. What it does mean is that you are open to seeing what the rest of the country will offer you. I'm interested to see if Alabama State has a better offer. It doesn't always even mean that you're going to move from FCS level to the FBS level. You might stay within a swack like Jason Dumas did. You might move to a D2 school like, man, somebody moved from, I can't remember what school it was, to Tuskegee. As the, at the quarterback position. I think it might have been Bethune-Cookman's quarterback. Might have moved down to Tuskegee. Um, but it means a lot of things. You can do anything. I don't think she's moving down. I think, if anything, she's moving up or moving laterally. But Dariana Lewis is an immediate impact player or was an immediate impact player for Alabama a and from the moment she stepped on the court. The reason I use past tense is because when these things happen, when players enter the transfer portal, to me, you already have a foot outside of the door. You're already stepping out. You're looking to leave, in my opinion. And maybe you see everything else isn't better, but I'm going to operate and act as if you're leaving. So it's not a done deal, but it's a deal that I believe will happen. So that's why I talk like that. And if it if they end up coming back like Isaiah Land did, we'll talk about why the return is a big deal. So that's why I'm going to continue to use past tense, even though it's not guaranteed that she'll leave. 
um, she was an immediate impact player. Her her departure would be huge because you're looking at a situation where a player is a transfer as a sophomore comes in as the newcomer of the year. We're looking at a three-time all-swag player. She was only there for three years. Two of those seasons, her first and second year, she was a first-team all-swag. This is a player who, in my opinion, in my opinion, is would be one of the front runners for SWAT player of the year now that Amisha Williams Holiday is gone. I think that she is that good. She has proven herself to be of that caliber. I understand last year she was a second team all SWAC as opposed to a first team all SWAC, but I've seen her do it for two out of the three years. There's nothing that could tell me that she can't bounce back. It's not even about turning back the clock. It wasn't that long ago. So there's nothing that tells me that she can't do it. Now, like I told you, I don't think she's coming back. She signed at 21 out on Twitter when she posted it. I think she's done. I think it's finished, but hey, whatever. Um, let's look at what she was as an Alabama AM Lady Bulldog. You're looking at a player who, when she came in as a sophomore, newcomer of the year, she averaged 16.2 points per game, 9.2 rebounds per game, 1.7 blocks per game. She led the conference in field goal percentage while being third in the country of everybody. SEC, Big 12, Pac-12, um, ACC, Big 10, everybody, right? She was a num- she was the number three leader in the nation in field goal percentage in her sophomore season. So from that, you can already tell that a lot of her work is done in the paint. A lot of rebounds, a good amount of blocks. She was second in blocks. I think she was third in rebounds. Yeah, third in rebounds. She was second in scoring in the country or in the, in the conference. So you're looking at a player who you can already tell is doing that because rebound blocks, that's typically where you were leading in that. You're going to be somebody who operates in the paint a lot. And then field goal percentage, the closer to the basket you are, I can guarantee you the leaders in field goal percentage on a yearly basis are typically the bigs. They're people who are attacking in the, in the, in the paint, not even people who are driving to the paint so much, but people who kind of reside in the paint a bit and work in that same area. Those are the players who are high in field goal percentage. So you can tell that simply by the fact of how her stats line up. And when she was in there, she was a, she was a dog. Coming out the gate swing and one newcomer of the year, and that field goal percentage, like I said, stands out and tells you that not everybody who operates in the paint is as efficient as her. But she was that efficient, and she continued that going forward. She took another step up the next year. You're seeing a player who, forget all the accolades, because I told you she's a two-time first-team all-swag player, one-time second-team all-swag, but every year she's been there, she has been an all-swag. So she has been one of the best players in the conference every single year that she's been around. Now she's leaving, but bigger than that, because teams don't really care. Fans don't really care. Like, yes, you feel a certain allegiance to it, to a player, but for the most part, you don't really care if that team loses the player as long as they continue winning. Dariana Lewis is directly connected to the uptick in winning for Alabama A&M. Her first year, her first year, they went 17 to 13, which was the most D- division one wins that they had ever had in a season. That's what she did in her first uh, season as a Bulldog. The three years prior to her getting there, no winning seasons. The three years she's been she's been there, all winning seasons. Like I said, people don't really care who's on the team as long as their team is winning. Yes, we have certain allegiances. Like, for example, with me, I, I'm always going to love Breeze with the Saints, right? He retired, but say Breeze would have left, that would have hurt. I love AK. If he would have lead, that would hurt. But at the end of the day, if my Saints are winning... I'm always listening to Locked On Saints, Ross Jackson, right? That's my guy. Put me on here, actually, you know? So show love to him. I'm always listening. But if those guys were to leave, 
and Breeze didn't lead through retirement, it's going to feel a little bit different. But at the end of the day, if they're winning, they're winning and I'm happy. That's what's the that's the paramount decision or the paramount concern of all fans is my team winning. Well, three losing season before she gets there, three winning season when she's there. You go from 13 and 17 to 17 and 13. There's a direct correlation between W's and Dariana Lewis when it comes to Alabama AM. I will be interested to see how they try to replace her. Hopefully, she comes back for their sake, for our sake, because she's better for the game of basketball, especially in the SWAC. I hope that she ends up staying. If she does, she does. If she doesn't, she doesn't. That's okay. She announced 21 out on her Twitter when saying this, so I'm kind of leaning towards her not staying. But if she goes somewhere else, we will 100% cover where she does go. And going forward, we're going to be talking about Jarvis Christian, who has opened up a wrestling program for both the men's and women's, kind of breaking the norm of Texas colleges and then also HBCUs. All right, so wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, Jarvis Christian is not sticking within the norms. They are taking a step out, branching out from something that is very rare in their groups. I'm talking about Texas colleges, and I'm also talking about HBCUs. They are opening a wrestling program or starting a wrestling program, and it's going to start in the fall, and men's and women's. This is so, man, this is so cool to me because it's cool on a couple fronts. A, it's not a lot of HBCUs doing it. B, it's not a lot of Texas schools doing it. And I experienced this firsthand in high school. I tried to wrestle. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I wanted to go out there and wrestle, and I ended up not doing it. Thankful that I didn't do it because the, the steps that it would have taken for me to do it, I probably, like, I know people say this as a cliche. I really don't think I'm doing this today. If I would have went to go wrestle, I think my life would have went a completely different type of path. Like, I think I would have chosen a different career or maybe just realized I wanted this career a little bit different or later. So I'm glad that I didn't wrestle. Um, but I wanted to, and I understood that it wasn't everywhere. That's just how Texas is. It's not the biggest sport in the state. That continues up to the collegiate level. When you look at the schools that offer te- uh, wrestling in the state of Texas, Texas, TCU, Texas A&M, none of them. Um, what's the other big school? Baylor? Nope, none of that. I don't think there's any other big schools in the state of Texas. UH? Nope. Uh, Rice? Nope. I'm trying to think of the, the schools that maybe if you weren't in Texas, you would you would know. And they're not there. They're just not there. Uh, SMU, no. They're, it's not a big-time sport in the state of Texas. And that's one thing that I think makes this really cool because now you're looking at Wayland Baptist, Texas Wesleyan, um, Jarvis Christian now. Those are three because it's only five schools, including Jarvis Christian, including JCU. There's only five schools in the state of Texas that offer wrestling. And remember, Texas is a ridiculously big state. Like, Texas is a huge state for you. Don't only have five colleges in the whole country or in the whole state that offer wrestling. That should prove to you how scarce and how the popularity in the state is not that large, right? And those two schools, including Jarvis uh, Christian making three, all NAIA schools. And you have Shriner, who I hope I'm saying that right, and the Texas women's on the NCAA level. Those are your five schools who offer wrestling. Luckily for Jarvis Christian, you're going to have two other schools in the state that you can compete with. They're going to have to change conferences. So they will be changing conferences to be in a, in, to be with other schools that offer wrestling. You'll have that as well. So I think that that is going to be good because being one of the few in the state, you might feel like, oh, I ain't got nobody to compete with. 
that's close to me. There's nobody who is in the same region that is good. And Texas is a hotbed for talent. So I feel as if they will have a good amount of athletes who want to do this and who want to go forward with it. I, I think it's a great opportunity, honestly. And it's something that if it was around when I was younger and it was more more accessible to me in my area, it's definitely something that I would have taken a part of. And I, I think this is great because say Texas doesn't do it a lot. Jarvis Christian would be like, well, that's just not a thing in our state. So we're just going to say whatever. We're just not going to do it. Um, nobody will blink an eye. Nobody would care. HBCUs, they don't have a lot of wrestling programs. I wish more HBCUs did have wrestling programs. They're not the first, but I don't think that something needs to be the first to be applauded. See, if I'm the first person to step outside after a week, I don't know. Let's just use some crazy example that really is unimportant. But if I'm the first person to step outside and take that risk, all right, I'm going to be applauded. He's like, oh, man, he, he was really the first one to do it. Now, what about two, three, and four? They took that risk, too, especially when the first one, me, if we're talking about in real life, Morgan State hasn't even started the wrestling program yet. I think they started in the fall. So to step out there and say, I'm going to make a wrestling program that opens in the fall, too, you haven't seen the benefits that come with having a wrestling program to an HBCU. So you're really taking another risk. I don't need them to be the first. Let's, you know, let's skip over that terrible example I was about to make. But let's talk about the fact that Morgan State might have been first, but then you're looking at Jarvis Christian being second, third, right? These schools need to be applauded because they're stepping out of the norm. Not many HBCUs have a wrestling program. Like I said, I think it's just Morgan State. I can't think of any of the other ones off the top of my head, but Morgan State immediately comes to mind. This is not something that HBCUs do. This is not something that Texas schools do. So for Jarvis Christian, and those are the two groups that they really belong to, we're talking about big overarching groups, you could say NAIA, whatever, but the, at, at the end of the day, they're an HBCU and then also a school in Texas. And it's just not something that those groups that they belong to frequently do. I appreciate it when you're debunking the norms and saying what needs to happen. Like, no, okay, I understand a lot of HBCUs don't have it, but we are going to have it. And we are going to help the sport grow amongst our community, and that being HBCUs, Black people, NAIA, every group that they could belong to, they're just trying to grow the sport. So personally, I think it's a scintillating idea to continue to grow the, to grow the sport of wrestling within HBCUs and also within the state of Texas, two things that, hey, I belong to. I appreciate that. And I hope this going forward continues to grow and other schools pick that up as well. Now, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, make sure you're checking out our conference shows. USC and UCLA just went over to the Big Ten in a move that is going to have ramifications for a long time. Big time moves from the West Coast to the East Coast in competition. And then also locked on ACC with friend of the show, Candace Cooper. We're actually going to be taking a little bit of a page from the ACC. They just announced and revealed a new scheduling format for their conference. We're going to see how would that apply to the SWAC. That's a little bit something that you have looking forward to on Monday's episode. In the meantime, in between time, make sure that you are following me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time they hear each other, family, take care. Stay blessed. Peace.